Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Pastor Zach Neese. How are you guys doing today? Um, man, that worship. Oh, I was just over there just crying. Man. Um, I don't know if I can even do this. I'm just going to hope that the Holy Spirit helps me because I'm just sh- kind of shaky right now. But you know, it's true. God doesn't give his heart in pieces. It's just that there's always more of God. It's not that he's holding out on us. It's just that you're a wineskin and your capacity expands the more he reveals to you. You get it? When I had my first child, I thought, I don't think I can ever have any more children because my heart is so full. I'm so in love right now. I don't know that I could ever have any more kids because I don't have any love left. But with every child, God just expanded my capacity to love. And he expands our capacity. And then he fills us with more and more and more because there's always more of an infinite God. What they're singing about today, just perfect. Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being a person who chases after the face of God. Who's decided, I'm not done yet. I I haven't seen it all. Yesterday, uh, last weekend, there was a a word that went out that there are some people that were going, I've seen this before. I've been there, done that. What's the difference? Uh, How's it going to be different this time? This is like the cycle of the people of God. If you read the Bible, the people of God are always coming closer to God and then they fall away. They're coming closer to God and then they fall away. It's like a tide. But I want to tell you something. There's a boar tide coming. There's a bigger thing coming, and you haven't seen anything yet. You know that thing I did the other day where I flipped over the tables? I did that in Brazil one time, and I'm, I'm like going, this is like the worst sermon I've ever preached. I, I, the, like I, was, I did a terrible job. I'd been sick. Nothing was going well. I'm like apologizing to God as I'm trying to preach. And then I get up, and I, and I just say, how many of you people want to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You want your home to be prepared for him. And 10,000 people came down. That was the worst I'd ever preached. And the Holy Spirit was just like, all right, I got it from here, Zach. (laughs) And I'm not kidding you. The place was so packed full, I just almost couldn't even stand up because of what the Holy Spirit done. You've seen it all before, have you? Have you seen it all? Did you know that during the Great Awakening in the 1700s, George Whitfield would stand at the podium and read his sermons? No inflection in his voice at all. And people, the Holy Spirit and conviction would fall so heavily on the people, they would just fall weeping all over the ground. So many people got saved in the young colonies that the pubs and taverns closed up and down the seaboard because they didn't have any patrons left. That was the setup for the Declaration of Independence, by the way. That was the setup for one nation under God was the Great Awakening, one of the greatest revivals in the history of our nation. Did you know that during the the Welsh Revival in 1904, five million people got saved? 
And that was the setup for the Pentecostal revival that happened here in the United States at Azusa Street. Did you know that in 1980, there were 2 million believers in the underground church in China? And in the year 2000, there were 75 million. You've seen it all, have you? You really think God's done? He's just getting started. The question is whether or not you're interested. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to see that? Or have you seen it all? Have you done it all? He didn't give his heart in pieces. It's just there's just always more. Right? These people, it was like they were, these people who, who, who walked into these revivals and prayed and sought after the Lord, it was like there was something in their heart that had just been messed up. It had been messed up for anything but God. And the reason I'm over there crying is because I'm just a mess, guys. I just want Jesus. I just want him. I just want his presence. I want him to do whatever he wants to. So I was thinking about this. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm such a bad person. So I, I used to work at, at this uh, resident program uh, for teens. They were called emotionally disabled at the time because they were broken. They'd come from uh, mostly Baltimore, inner city uh, situations, and they'd been through bad things. And they'd done terrible things. And they were terrible to each other. They could be really violent. And I worked in this school, and some of my friends were working with me, and we were called resource counselors. But what that really means is we tackle teenagers. <laughs> That's what we do. Because our job was to keep them safe from themselves and to keep other people safe from them. And they were being violent all the time. So I had a friend who was, uh, who was a Marine, and the guy was tough, man. He'd, he'd, he'd seen so much. He was just cool as a cucumber. Any physical altercation, and this guy would just go ice. And he would just take care of what needed to be taken care of. He wasn't scared of anything. And I'll tell you, in that place, I've been, I've been punched, kicked, had rocks smashed over my head. I'd been peed on. I had a poop smeared on me. Like, everything happened. And this guy was like Kool-Aid. He was just cool. Except there was one thing that freaked him out. I would do this thing called short man, and I would wait outside the staff bathrooms when somebody went in, and I'd get down on my knees like this. And when they opened the door after they came out of the bathroom, I'd just walk in and go, Hello. That's it. And every time I did that, this guy would lose his noodles. I mean, he would freak out. It was so funny. He could take care of anything. He'd been to Iraq. He'd fought enemies. He must have, like, faced some kind of, like, Iraqi leprechaun and had PTSD from very small people. Because every time I got on my knees, hello, he'd, Bwah! <laughs> And it was so funny because I'd do it for a while. And then, like, for a few days, I wouldn't do it. Or a week, I wouldn't do it. So I'd hear him from across the school yelling from the bathroom, Zach, I'm about to come out. I swear if you're in front of me, I'm going to kick you in the face. <laughs> and then he'd come out of the bathroom with like Febreze or something. like. <laughs> he, it was like there was a switch in his heart that got flipped to surprise and broken off. Like that trick Never didn't work on him. There was, a, there was a switch in his heart that got flipped and broke off. That's what I want. I want the switch in my heart to get flipped towards God, to get flipped towards awe, to get flipped towards wonder and broken off. I don't want there to be a, a single time that I come near him 
and I don't go, what? Like it's the first time it ever happened. There's one thing I'm willing to get messed up for. And these people that led these revivals from the past, there was a switch in their hearts that got flipped towards God, and then it got broken off. They didn't get tired of going after him. They didn't become weary. They weren't jaded. They didn't get offended and let it keep them from the Lord. Have you been offended by the people of God? Have you been hurt by the church? I've been working in the church more than 20 years. I bet you anything I've been offended by more Christians than you have. Many thousands of offensive Christians. But an offensive Christian isn't going to keep me from seeking the face of the God who sent his only son to die on the cross to save me for eternity. I don't want to get tired. Do you? Are you bored yet? So there's this principle in the word. This principle of seeking and finding. We were just at Denali the other day. That mountain is 20,000 feet tall. Have you guys seen that thing? Have you seen, like, no, probably you haven't because it's always in clouds, right? But it's like, it's a modest woman, you know? She's like, she'll, she's covering herself most of the time. But I saw some, I saw some glimpses of Denali and it's, it's unimaginably massive. So big. And I remember when I started climbing 14ers, the first time I got to the top of a 14er, which is about as big as they get in the lower 48. So Alaska, you do have a bigger mountain than anybody else does. I got to the top of this 14er and I was sitting there looking around and it was like I could see the earth curving away all around me. Some of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. And I thought, God, you put beautiful things in places where only people who are willing to go can find them. Why do you put colors at the bottom of the ocean? Because only people who are willing to go look for it can see it. But he put it somewhere where seekers can find it. That's what he does. There's something about God that he wants to show you, but only seekers get to find it. He's not hiding, but it's there if you're willing to go there. You get it? You guys are Alaskans. I I know you're you're hunters, right? Yeah, we are. Why don't they call you catchers? Why do they call them fishermen and not catchermen? You you know how to bait. You know all about lures. You know about the lines. You know how to chum the water. You know when and where to go to find the fish. But you don't always get the fish, do you? You're out there fishing. You're trying to catch a fish. And I'll tell you what, if you catch a fish, that's not enough for you. You're always going to go back for more fish because there's something in your heart. There's a switch that's been flipped and broken off and you have become a fisherman. Like you're crazy for fish. You got to catch another salmon. How do you not get tired of fishing for salmon? Someone who's not a fisherman doesn't get it. I'll tell you what, someone who's not a seeker of the most high doesn't get it. How on earth did your heart get switched and broken and that's all you want? That's what I'm talking about. I want more. Zach, you're such a child. God gives you everything at salvation. Does he? 
Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the switch. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If, everybody say if. If you seek him with all your heart, with all your soul, has the switch of your affections been flipped? Has the switch of your will been flipped? And are you willing to break it off in that position so it stays that way? What's the principle? Seek, find. Now, watch this. First Chronicles 16, 11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Okay, seek and you'll find. Now he says, seek my face, right? Second Chronicles 7, 14. If, say if. If my people who are called by my name, raise your hand if you are God's person and called by his name. Okay, that's 57 of you. Okay. <laughs> if my people who are called, the rest of you, by the end of this, hopefully you'll have your hand in the air too. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways in order to, that's what repentance is. You have to turn from the thing you were seeking towards this new thing that you're gonna, that's the, that's the switch that gets flipped. It gets flipped from this thing you were seeking to something else, this other thing that I'm gonna seek. Seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Anybody here have a land that needs to get healed? Yeah, are you living here? Our land needs to be healed. Our land is a mess. We're broken. We've been seeking the wrong things for a long time, moving in the wrong direction for a very long time, and it has caused us pain. It has caused us suffering. That other direction is called sin. He wants to heal our land. What's the principle? Seek his face. Now, I was... uh, posing thoughts and questions like this one time in a class that I was teaching at Christ for the Nations, and one of my students brought up this interesting question. It was a paradox. She said, I know that the word says to seek God's face, but doesn't it say in Exodus thirty-three twenty, no one may see my face and live? Okay, hold on a second. Wait, wait. God said, seek my face. God said that. This is God, says, seek my face. Then God says, no man may see my face and live. Okay, hold on a second, wait. So this is like me saying to my little boy, Simeon, when we used to, when he was really young, we used to go out hiking in Texas. You go hiking in Texas, you don't have to worry about bears, but you do have to worry about other critters. We had tarantulas that were pets because we caught them in our yard. We, I've had copperheads in my yard. I've, I've shot cotton mouths that were within two feet of my kids. So you talk to your kids about creepy crawlies because they're things that bite and you can't hear them running through the bushes, right? So, so I tell them about rattlesnakes. Simeon, rattlesnakes at your size, if it bites you, it will kill you. So if you hear this, stop immediately. You have to figure out which direction that's coming from and then slowly move away from that direction. Rattlesnakes will kill you. So what do you do when you see a rattlesnake? Stop. That's exactly right. What do rattlesnakes do? Rattlesnakes will kill me. That's exactly right. Now, go get you a rattlesnake. 
go on. Go out and hunt you up. A, get your rattlesnake, kid. That's what God's saying. He's saying, no man may see my face and live. Now go get some. <laughs> what? Dad? Let's look at this. What's really going on here? The first time God said this in Exodus 33, he's talking to Moses. Let's get just a little bit of context, okay? Now, Moses was a man whose switch had been flipped. Would everybody agree with that? Moses had seen more of God than anybody else, and he wanted to see more of God than anybody else. And this is what happened. This is in Exodus 33. This is verse 11. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Is there anybody else that when you read that, something gets stirred up in your heart? Oh, why would you do that with Moses and not with me? What's so special about him? I read about his Egyptian time. He was a jerk. I'm a jerk. You could talk to me too. My heart gets jealous face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. That's how you know who's going to be next in line to lead. The person who can't get enough of the presence of God. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you. This is a guy who's talking face to face with God and he's still not satisfied. He's talking with God as a friend speaks with his friend and he says, I still want to know you better. I want to know you more. Do you remember what it feels like to be in love, so much in love that you're like, I want to be closer to you than I am right now. I remember holding my wife so close. I was like, if I could squeeze you anymore without killing you. I just want to become one. <laughs> I want to know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence, this is the word panim. We're going we're to talk about this word a lot today. My presence, my panim will go with you and I will give you rest. Okay, so he speaks with God face to face. He's coming to know God. Now God says, I'm going to even do more. I'm going to send my panim with you. Do, you. do you realize? We think that we've seen all there is to see of God. And this is a man who's walking into greater degrees of knowledge of God, greater degrees of revelation. I talk to you with face to face. I want to know you more. I want to see more of your face. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish you, church, and your people from all the people on the face of the earth except the presence of God? So Moses is saying, more. 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now watch this. Then Moses said, now... Show me your glory, Lord. 
I'm speaking to you face to face. I know you as a friend knows his friend. Your presence is going with me and it's still not enough. Show me your glory, Lord. Okay, now show me your glory, Lord. You gotta understand something. Moses is not saying, I want a little bit of you. He's saying, show it all to me. Give it all to me. I wanna see all of you. Give it all to me. There's more of God? You mean there's more of God than I've experienced? There's more of God... When he fills me, he fills me with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and there's more? You know, when the Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's continuous. It actually means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Bible says to seek the Lord, it's continuous. It actually says, be seeking him. Seek him and continue to seek him. Why? There's still more. And I know some of you guys are going, that's Old Testament. Do you know that God doesn't split himself into Old and New Testament? We did that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God then is the God now. You don't believe me? You remember this guy named John? This guy named John walked with Jesus Christ for three years. He knew him better than any other human being. He saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it blew his mind. He saw something more. He was the only disciple at the cross, and it blew his mind to see the love of Jesus. It so affected him that he never got over it his entire life. That's why when you read the books that John wrote, they read like hippie manuals. God is love, man, because his mind was blown for the love of God and he could not get over it. You think he'd seen it all, right? No, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and his mind gets blown again. You think he'd seen it all, right? No, in the book of Revelation, he sees another revelation. He's already seen Jesus transfigured. He's already seen him on the cross. He's seen him resurrected. He's filled with the Spirit. He sees him again and his mind is blown again. How is it possible? Because God is a God of infinite glory and there's always more. There's always more. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Have you? You silly person. Your eyes couldn't even encompass it all. Your heart couldn't contain it all. There's something that Moses knew that we've forgotten. There's always more of God. You can't minimize God. This word Show me your glory. A lot of you know this already. It's the word kabod. Kabod means weighty glory. There's a weight of God. When I was uh, younger and the kids, they were little, you know, I'd wrestle with them. And I I don't know if you you probably did this, dads. I think most dads do this. It's just funny. You just kind of go dead weight, right? And you're like, okay, wrestle me. And you just lay on top of them. (laughs) And they're going, and I would lay on top of three or four kids at a time, and they're all trying to get out from under me, and I'm just laying on top of them and squishing them, and they're giggling and laughing. But how many of you know that I didn't ever put my full weight on my kids? Because 180 pounds of me on 40 pounds of them would make the peanut butter come out all their holes. It would squish them. They'd be like that Play-Doh thing, you know, It would just squish them. So I never put my full weight on my kids because I love them. They couldn't handle my full weight. The the glory of God is called the kabod for a reason. It's weighty. What would happen if God came right now and put his full weight on this place? Peanut butter would come out of all your holes. You just... Because he's too much for us. There was one time I was probably saved for 
year and a half, two years, and I was sitting around with a bunch of my friends. I was about 25 years old, probably, and we were worshiping God, and the presence of God came so close, we all ended up on our faces on the ground, right? And then, when we're done, we tried to get up. Nobody could move. I mean, we're trying to get up off the floor, and it's like there's this weight that's just pressing us down on the ground. If you've ever had an experience like this, you can feel it. It's like electricity bubbling all over your body, and I'm stuck there on the floor with my friends, and I'm like, I can't get up. And they're going, I can't get up either. And we just started laughing. And it wasn't like we got filled with holy laughter. No, it was just really funny. It was just like when I wrestle with my kids. I got pinned by God. But he didn't put his whole weight on me. Why didn't he put his whole weight on me? Because he loves me. There's a reason you need a glorified body so that you can survive the presence of glory. No, Zach, that's not New Testament. Yeah, it is New Testament. So Moses says, show it all to me. You ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember that scene where they open the ark? And the, and the Nazis all go, wah! <laughs> Show it all to me. Wah! How do you think your flesh is going to handle the presence of white, hot, perfect holiness? <laughs> this is why you need Jesus. This is why I need Jesus. This is why we need to be covered by the blood of Jesus. So he says, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. By the way, that is all his name. But he said, you cannot see my face, buddy. You cannot see my panim, for no one may see my face and live. Moses is asking God for everything. So, here's my question. God tells Moses, no one may see my face and live. He turns right around and says, seek my face. Let's look at another character who's had their switch flipped and broken off. So what is David talking and singing about in Psalm, in Psalm 27? Check this out. This is David, right? One thing I ask from the Lord. If you could ask one thing. One thing I ask for the Lord, this only do I seek, there's that word again, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Remember, we've been talking about a God who wants to dwell with us. And here's a guy whose heart has been so transformed to be like his father God's that he wants to dwell with God too. And he's one of the first whose hearts longed for that. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Have you ever noticed this? He says, hear me when I call. Be merciful to me. Why does he need mercy? And answer me. Because he's about to ask for something that's going to kill him. My heart says of you, seek his face. Panim. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. 
you have been my helper. David knows something that you and I have forgotten. No man may see the face of God and live, but my heart is screaming for one thing, and that is to see the face of my God. So what do I do? I beg for mercy and I seek. This is the song of a man in a to-the-death pursuit of God. Even if it kills me, I want to see you. Even if I unravel in your presence, I want to see you. This is why the Bible calls David a man after God's heart. He's a man in pursuit. He's after the heart of God. And when you're in pursuit of the heart of God, something happens and your heart becomes like the heart of God because this is the heart of God for you. His heart for you was, even if it kills me, I want that one. That's the story of Jesus Christ, a God who said, even if it kills me, I want that one. Even if it kills me, I want to know that one. God's heart is in a to-the-death pursuit of you to the cross. And when I pursue him and my flip gets switched, I turn in a to-the-death pursuit of him. I got news for you. You're going to die anyway. You might as well spend your life well. Chase a God worth dying for. Yeah, you guys didn't like that. I want to know God even if it kills me. And you know what? Day by day, what I'm discovering is it's killing me. (laughs) When I got saved, this is so, you guys are going to think this is stupid. When I got saved, I thought, so do I have to stop cussing? Nobody's going to like me if I stop cussing. (laughs) Do I have to stop chasing girls? Who's going to like me if I stop chasing girls? Do I have to stop? I was aggressive. I was a violent person. Do I have to stop being mean? Like, who's going to like me if I stop being mean? Who liked you before, dude? (laughs) There are parts of myself that had to die in order for me to pursue Jesus. And when they do, I become more like Jesus. This is the promise. No man may see my face and live. Come see my face. You will die. And what you find on the other side is a better life. If I stop drinking, if I stop using... If I, if I stop being controlling in my house, if I show gentleness, buddy, maybe nobody likes you now. Maybe if you became a little bit more like Jesus. This word panim, I want to tell you about it. This is an awesome word. The word kabod means the weighty. By the way, I want to show you something else. This word Kabod, it doesn't just mean the weighty glory of God. It means the rich abundance. I've got all the Jesus I need, really. It means copiousness. You know what copious means? Too much. It means he pours himself into you so much that you overflow. Your cup runneth over. That means God pours so much into you that you've got enough to share with your friends and still more is overflowing. God wants to fill you so much that it's more than you can handle and you've got to start passing it around. The copiousness of the Spirit of God, it means immeasurable splendor. You think your finiteness can contain the immeasurable splendor of God? I used to serve with a pastor that was, that was like, when you get the Holy Spirit, you get, you get all of him. You get, really, you're satisfied. 
you feel like you've got as much as you need. I don't even want to talk about that. Hungry people go eat. Thirsty people go drink. People who are hungry for more of God seek more of God. And they find what they seek. Because he's infinite. That's what this word panim means. When I say the word face to you, you think singular. Seek his face. Well, there's a face right there. I saw it, I see it. There's a face, I saw it, I see it. But the Hebrew word for face is not singular, it's plural. It actually means faces. Seek my faces. It's like a diamond. When you cut a diamond, you cut facets into that diamond, right? And the more cuts, the more facets of the diamond, the more the light reflects and refracts off of that diamond. The beauty is in proportion to the facets that are cut and the purity of the stone. What if there is an infinitely pure stone? What if there is an infinitely faceted God and his beauty is in proportion to the number of facets, faces? Why do you not ever have to get bored seeking God? Because He is infinitely faced. Seek my faces. Seek my faces. And he has an infinite number of faces. I'm not talking about, I'm like this one day and I'm like this the next. And I'm like this the next. I'm not talking about a God who changes. He doesn't change. In him, there's no shadow of turning. I'm just talking about a God you never get to the end of. I'm talking about a bottomless ocean. I'm talking about endless space. I'm talking about the God of eternity, his panim. Do you know what the word fascinate means? The word fascinate comes from the root face. It means to not be able to get over the face of something. The word, you could actually pronounce it fascinate. I want to be fascinated. I want to be fascinated with God. I want to not be able to get over Seeking his face. Anybody else want to be fascinated? The word fascinate means to draw irresistibly the attention or interest. What is irresistibly drawing your attention right now? What is irresistibly drawing your interest? That's what you're fascinated with. Uh, By the way, your screen is a face, and you can get lost in the scrolling of it. It's almost infinitely faced. Why is it that you can spend hours flipping through this, but not hours pursuing the the infinite faces of God? How do you not get bored doing that, but you get bored doing this? I think I just heard somebody cuss. The word fascinate means to engross. What are you engrossed with? What engrosses you? What captivates you? What absorbs you? What allures you? What transfixes you? My eyes are transfixed upon the Lord. Whatever transfixes your heart is what your heart will find. It's what your heart will pursue. Fascinated means to be irresistibly attracted to the face of God. Moses was fascinated. He had more of God than any man before him, and he wanted more. Ezekiel was fascinated. He knew God and he saw him again and it was so overwhelming that he fell down like he was dead. God had to pick him up by the hair and stand him back up again because he saw God and he was like, it blew his mind. Isaiah, 
I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The voices of the angels crying, holy, holy, shook the doorposts, and the glory of God like smoke came out from under the door. I saw the Lord, and my heart said, woe is me, for I'm undone. You know what that means? That means I'm about to get obliterated. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. He got his mind blown. John got his mind blown. Over and over and over again, John got his mind blown. These men's switches had been flipped and broken off. They were fascinated. They couldn't get over the face of God. Now, I want to show you an example, a biblical example of fascination, okay? You guys know about this. We were just singing it. In fact, um, I just want to say, Melody, you were listening to the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and every time we've done one of these uh, sermons over the last few weeks, I feel like the worship leader has been listening to the Holy Spirit. And I have not told them what I'm talking about. In fact, I didn't finish my notes until last night. She had her, her list done uh, almost a week ago. So she didn't know what I was going to be talking about, although I really only have one thing I do talk about. <laughs> so she sang Revelation song. That song, guys, is really special. It was, it was written by a friend of mine and produced by another dear friend of mine. And the first time it was released was on a Christ for the Nations album. And it was in the middle of a move that God was doing there at that school. And then it spread all over the world. I've, I've heard it and I've worshiped with it all over the earth. And the thing is, it's an eternal song. What's happening when we're singing that song is we're joining the song of heaven. We're aligning ourselves with the activity of heaven. And if you want to see the things of heaven happen on earth, then you have to do the things of heaven on earth. And that's what's going on in that song. We're doing the things of heaven on earth. So this is Revelation 4, verse 6. This is John. Remember, he's seeing Jesus so many different ways, so many aspects of his glory. And then he sees him again in the book of Revelation. He says, his hair is as white as wool. His eyes are like fire. His face shining like the sun. He holds seven stars in his hands. A sword comes out of his mouth. His feet like burnished brass. And John, whoa. His mind got blown. Jesus gives him the seven letters to the seven churches. That kind of hurt. (laughs) I need glory. I need a glorified body. And then he brings John up into heaven and he gives him a glimpse of the throne room. And this is what he sees. Revelation 4 verse 6. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass. Clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes. In front, in back, Ezekiel says, even under their wings they had eyes. Why on earth would you need more than two eyes? Why on earth would you need eyes all over you? Why? Why would God create a creature that had eyeballs all over its body? Because eyes are for beholding. Eyes are for seeing. Eyes are for absorbing. Eyes are for being fascinated. And the ministry of these four creatures is to be infinitely fascinated. They gotta have more eyes. 
just to absorb the glory of God. And we see them and we're like, dude, you're ugly. They don't care. Because they were not created to look at themselves. They were made to look at God. Their eyes are for beholding. The word behold is idao in, in Greek. And it's, John uses it 25 times in this one book. So John is in heaven and he's just going, idao, 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 idao. Behold, look at that. That's what it means. Look at that. Did you see that? Look at that. He's only got two eyes. He's just trying to absorb it as quickly as he can. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, oh my you. Look at that. He's just seeing and seeing and seeing, having his mind blown. That is the ministry of these creatures. The Bible says day and night, they never stop. They never stop saying, been there, done that. I've seen it all before. I've heard it all before. I've heard this sermon before. I was through a move of God in the 1700s. <laughs> you need more eyes. You need the eyes of your heart to be enlightened to wake up day and night they never stop saying holy what did I just see holy Imagine flying around in the presence of God, thinking that you'd seen all there was to see. And every time you turn the corner, there's more. Holy. The word holy in Greek means awful, not awful, full of awe. These angels have had their switches flipped and they're broken. Holy, awesome. That's what it means. I, you know what holy means? Holy means I've never seen anything like that. It means sacred, set apart, other. Whoa. Theirs is the ministry of perpetual shock permanent awe transcendent transfixation these guys are infinitely mind blown holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was, that means I saw him. Who is, that means I see him. And who is to come, that means there's always more. He was, 
he is and he is to come. The Bible says they never stop saying it. There are 24 elders around the throne of God, each with seats of honor, thrones, each with crowns. The Bible says this, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns at his feet. Be sure of something. It will cost you to pursue the Lord. Do these elders ever sit on their thrones? They have thrones, but the Bible says whenever these creatures give honor to God, they fall down in front of the Lord. And the Bible says day and night, they never stop saying holy, 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 which means these elders never sit on their thrones. If you want to pursue the living God, you're never going to sit on your throne. It's going to cost you your throne. Seeking the Lord costs you your throne. The Bible says they've been given crowns. And every time these creatures cry out, holy, 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 the 24 elders cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus. How do they do that? How in all eternity do they cast their crowns? This is the economy of heaven. The more glory you cast at the feet of Jesus, the more he gives you to cast at his feet. They're perpetually casting glory at the feet of Jesus. And every time they do it, he gives them more and they cast it at his feet again. You will never wear the crowns that the Lord gives you in eternity because they're not for your head. They're for his feet. It will cost you your crown because the Lord's enthroned on the mountain of the crowns of men. But this is how they respond. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy. Do you know what the word worthy means? It means you're worth it. You're worth me never sitting on my own throne. You're worth all the glory I've ever been given and I ever will have cast at your feet. You're worth it. You're worth it. You know, it costs you to pursue the heart of God. But there's a treasure you gain. You get to know the infinite Father. You get to see his infinite glory. You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created they have their being you're worth it because I'm fascinated do you want your switch to be flipped do you want to be fascinated do you want to step into the ministry of perpetual awe does your heart cry seek his face I've sung that song probably a thousand times. And we're singing it and I was just crying like a little baby. 
fascinated yet. I'm just not done. There's still more. My heart is still expanding. Now, if you close your eyes, I want to pray a blessing over you. I've been praying this blessing, but I want you to hear it in another light. The word face, panim, means infinite faces. Infinite faces. And this is a to-the-death blessing if you're willing to receive it. If you just put your hands in a position to receive. People of God, children of the Most High, redeemed, Reconciled, justified, beloved. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his faces shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and turn his faces towards you. My heart is telling me right now, just like it told David, my heart says of you, seek his face. Be merciful to me, Lord, and answer me. Your face I will seek. Show me your face. I want to see you, to know you. I want the switch of my heart flipped to awe and broken off. I want to never get over you. I want to stay amazed. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill my soul with fascination for your glory through Jesus Christ. And if your heart is speaking to you right now and that's you and you want more, I just want to give you the opportunity to come up, find a spot, get on your knees, get on your face, pursue the Lord. We're going to continue to worship him, but come on, find a spot where you can meet with him on your own. It can be right here. It can be along the walls. It can be in the aisle. I don't care where it is, but your heart says, I want more of you, Jesus. I don't want to be the same anymore. I want to know you and I don't want to ever stop. And come and I pray, Lord. That you would show us your copious glory. And that you would expand our hearts to know you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.